We'll find Galatians again in your Bible, if you would. That last song just got me thinking about that overcome by the presence of the Lord and how easily we get overwhelmed by life. Um, you can have those days and you can have those weeks or you can have those months when it just thinks like it's too much. And what we need to remember and what we just saying was, let's be overwhelmed by the presence of God in our lives. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on and God is bigger than that. And he's a comforter and he's a guide. And so let's, let's be overwhelmed by God, even as we're tempted to be overwhelmed by the world. Speaking of being overwhelmed, we just survived tax season. Um, I won't go into all the details, but my family had a shock this year. Fortunately, it was a mistake. And so, yes, uh, we, there was a weekend when we were overwhelmed with what in the world? Because I don't do math real well and it didn't make any sense to me, but we got it figured out. Um, but taxes are overwhelming to me and I can't imagine. And then somehow, I don't know how this happened, but my youngest son will graduate from college this Thursday with an accounting degree. And he works for a firm that they just got through tax season too. No, he did not do my taxes. He was not the one that made the mistakes or anything like that. But he's studying for what they call the CPA exams. They're certified public accountants. Again, I cannot, he talks and I can't figure it out. And, and I don't know why he would want to do it, but he does. You want somebody certified to do your accounting. You want somebody who knows what they're talking about, who knows uh, the details, who is frankly willing to hold the responsibility for how those things get done. You want a certified public accountant. Um, I suspect you want certified all kinds of things. We had electrical issues here last night. I'm thankful for Pastor Neil. He was up here late into the evening and early morning, I think, because of the wind yesterday, and we had to call some people in. And um, I'm glad there are certified electricians. Um, I'm glad there are certified, if you want to call it this way, uh, doctors. And what Paul's trying to communicate in Galatians is he is a certified apostle. He is not somebody who's making things up. Uh, he is not somebody, and this is part of his challenge, who was there like the other apostles were, but he's making his case that he is what we might call a CPA, a certified public apostle, or certified preaching apostle. He, he has the authority to say what he says, and it cuts against the grain of many of the religious leaders of his day. The religious leaders of his day um, said, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to earn part of your salvation or pitch in and, and get some stuff done. And he would end, as we saw last week, saying, I'm not trying to win their approval. I'm trying to win the approval of God. And so this section of Scripture, Galatians 1, 11 through 24, is Paul again defending himself. I've had, um, I've had to remind myself, because Paul seems very defensive in a lot of this. I mean, it, he takes it personally. But it's important to remember, it's not because his feelings are hurt. It's because the gospel's at stake. If he is not authorized to present the gospel of grace alone in Jesus Christ, then they're going to fall for a different gospel, which he said is really no gospel at all. So his credentials authenticate the message he's trying to present here. So read with me, starting in verse 11, please. 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I, must, I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. When I went, then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The one who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Okay, let's pray. God, help us to learn um, from these words uh, what you would have us learn. Um, reveal to us, God, as, as you did to Paul, the gospel. Reveal to us your son, Jesus Christ. And in some way, God, reveal to us who we are, who you've called us to be. And help us to walk in that freedom, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. The outline is pretty straightforward, and I want you to think about it as we go through it, that these headings are true of you and I as well. They're not just what God did to Paul. It's what he does and wants to do to each one of us and through each one of us. So the first point is Paul was called by Jesus. He was Again, he will say I'm a, he was an apostle abnormally born. He was not among the twelve that walked along the Sea of Galilee and Jesus commissioned them and sent them out uh, much the way we did Joseph and, and Joel earlier this morning. But he was called by Jesus himself. And so under that heading, first we have the gospel was received by Paul. And to go through the verses again, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers, and there's a word, certified. That's that's where we. That's why I got my introduction this morning. Paul is saying, "I want to certify to you, I'm telling you the truth. Let me make it perfectly clear. I'm authorized to do this. That the gospel I preached, and again, his gospel is a gospel of grace, 100 percent. No works are involved. Okay, and that's different from the gospel, if you will. I don't even know if you can call it that. Of the Judaizers who said, "Yes, Jesus, but works." He said, "No, it's just by grace." And what he says is it's not of human origin. Different translations put it this way. It's not according to man. New Living Translation says it's not based on mere human reasoning. The ESV says it's not man's gospel. The Amplified Version, which kind of packs it all in, says it's not of a human invention or patterned after human standards. What Paul is saying here is, I didn't make this stuff up, and I think he's saying something even more deeply we wouldn't make this stuff up. None of us, and, and he will say elsewhere in Corinthians, this is foolishness to the natural man. It makes no sense. Because if you or I were writing the story, if we were writing the gospel, 
we would say either God is not tremendously holy and you can't step foot within a hundred miles of him without getting killed. Or we're not as sinful as we think we are and need Jesus to die for us. Somehow we would come up with, I think, a work salvation. Uh, last week I said something and I processed it more and partly because people have been asking me about it. I said, if it were somehow based on works, even a small percentage, I'd still, and I, I said this theoretically, probably learn to adjust in my life. And it, I didn't say this last week, billions of people throughout history have done just that. So it's, I, I'm not suspending reality here. I know people all around us who somehow think it's something other than the true gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. And their lives go on. They still go about life and they've either convinced themselves that God is not as holy as he is and judgment does not await sin and sin's not as bad and somehow we think we can either pay for it or he's going to look away somehow. And so what Paul's saying is we can't make this stuff up. We didn't create it. And even as he says in, in Corinthians, we can't comprehend it. Unless the Spirit of God opens our eyes to the truth of the gospel, we'll think it's foolishness. And so he says it's not from humans that this came from. It's, it's the same thing where um, Paul t- or Jesus told Peter to when Jesus kind of clued in on who Jesus was. He goes, listen, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It's the Spirit of God. He says in verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Okay? Now, as we go through this, Paul is not anti-intellectual. He was one of the most brilliant minds we think that the human species has ever seen. I mean, he was, he was brilliant. He was well-educated. So this is not a shot at just be dumb, okay? But what he's saying is nobody taught me this. I got it straight from Jesus. He says down in verse 15, I didn't consult any human beings. He's making the case that he heard the gospel the same way the original apostles heard the gospel was straight from Jesus. The Jews at that time, and he was a rabbi. I mean, he was well-trained. I mean, he, he has his credentials there. They would study under the teaching of other rabbis. And those other rabbis had made up lots of other rules besides the Ten Commandments. And they all said, you got to keep all these rules or you're not right with God. And Paul's arguing against that. But he was a well-educated man, but he said, I didn't get this from them. And it's kind of a shot at the Jews who are saying, because their credentials are, I learned this from him, who learned it from him, who learned it from him, and go back a thousand years, and this has been handed down and handed down and handed down. And Jesus said, or Paul says, no, I learned it from Jesus himself. It didn't get, it's kind of like the television, telephone game, you know, where you say something and the next person says it, and it gets a little messed up along the way. Well, the heart of God had really got messed up along the way because it became rules-based and not heart-based relationship. And it was just taught and taught and taught and taught. And he said, no, I heard it straight from Jesus. So that's the first point. Second point B is the gospel was revealed to Paul. He says, rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. The word revelation there is apocalypse. It's where we get the word apocalypse. It means to uncover something that you wouldn't normally see. That it wasn't... it it, it it was it, to take the lid off something. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It's just we can't see it until God reveals it to us. He takes blinders off our eyes or off our hearts, and we can now understand what was before incomprehensible and, and foolish. And Paul accounts this many times. In Acts 9 is the most famous one, his Damascus Road experience. But I, if I'm counting right, at least one, two, three, four times that I have in, in my notes anyway, and there may be more, actually more than that, yeah, four 
5, 6 probably. Six times the Apostle Paul, while he's trying to communicate the gospel, tells his story. His testimony is part of what, how God had changed him. And so I just want to say this briefly. Don't discount the power of your story. How God has revealed the gospel to you and how your life was changed because of it and now how he's the most important thing in your life is a, is a compelling story to, to people and it's, it's very foreign to what some people hear out there. And Paul, six times to King Agrippa, to here to the Galatians, when he writes to the Corinthians, he is constantly saying, here's, here's who I was, Here what, here's what happened to me. And um, you can read all those passages, but he says, listen, Jesus Christ is the one that stopped me on the Damascus Road. He said, why are you persecuting me? The gospel is, comes to us the exact same way, by revelation of God. Okay, That's why you can and people can sit and hear, and they can read their Bibles, and they can hear sermons, and they can watch videos and do all kinds of things. But until God opens their hearts and minds to the truth of the gospel, they're just heads full of knowledge. Okay, And so Paul had walked that road too. Th- think of this. His religion did not reveal Jesus to him. Jesus revealed himself to him, right? In fact, in my notes later, so I'll say it now and probably repeat myself. Paul was not saved by his religion. He was saved from his religion, okay? Now, his religion's not, it, it, it was God. I mean, it was the Old Testament. It was perverted. It missed the heart of God. It was what was, the law was to lead him to Christ. But listen, there's a whole lot of religious people that think they've done the right things and do the right things and show up at the right times and do all this stuff, they don't need, they will not be saved by their religion. They need to be saved from their religion. Because it's not a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus had revealed himself to Paul. Okay? Um, Point C is the gospel was relayed by Paul. So don't disconnect this. Don't disconnect your call to being saved to your call to, to, to service. When God, when God brings us into the kingdom, he saves us, yes, from our sins, but he also commissions us to share the gospel, to be involved in what God is doing on, on the planet. And so, verse 15, but when God, those are great words, but God, every time you see but God in the scripture, just say hallelujah, because he steps in and changes things. But when God, who set me apart, this is going to get fun for us, from my mother's womb, what do you do with that? Tell you what you do with that. God's in control. Okay? And this is not the topic of this morning, but there certainly is stuff to be said about the sanctity of human life. Paul's not alone by this in the way. Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. I, I can, I'd say even David, who said, You knit me together in my mother's womb. Listen, God is actively involved in the creation of life. And in the calling of life. And he called Paul, it says there, from his mother's womb. He set me apart. Now Paul's getting a little dig here. When it says set apart, it's where we get the word horizon. So it's a, it's a straight, it's a demarcation. There's a straight line there someplace that separates this from this. It's separation. The Pharisees, Pharisee comes from the same root word as set apart, horizon. The Pharisees viewed themselves as the set apart ones. And what he's saying is, I was set apart by Jesus himself, from my mother's womb, by the way, okay? And he called me by his grace. 
Later on, Paul would say, I think it's in, when he's talking to Agrippa, he says, I was not disobedient to that invitation. And so this will really get your head spinning. Is God calling people from their womb? Is there election and predestination, all that? It's in the Bible, and here's one of those instances. We've got to say, yes, God knows what he's doing. Guess what? Paul also says, and I think to Agrippa, when I heard the invitation, I was not disobedient to it. So we've all been invited. God knows, and you can work this out in your minds, but we also have that responsibility to respond to that. And Paul had, he would later tell, tell, tell Agrippa. But he's called me, he says, by his grace, not because I earned it. And he was a very, again, religious and righteous man in many ways. God says in verse 15, was pleased, and then 16, to reveal his son. Catch this. Not a bunch of rules. Jesus. Jesus showed up personally to Paul on the Damascus road. He said, he revealed his son in me. This is, I, I, I can get caught up on every word this morning, okay? That means not only did Paul in him understand who Jesus was because of that interaction. The light went off, the heart opened, the eyes were open. Um, he, he had a, within him a relationship with Jesus Christ. But also, I think, not just to Paul, but through Paul. Because he goes on to say, and, and people praise God because of this. God does not want just to make himself known to you, but he wants to make himself known through you, okay? And Paul's making that case here. He was, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So it's not, again, just a call to salvation, but a call to, to missions. It's a call to go teach, and for him, Jews did not like the Gentiles. These were the enemies. He was called to go to the very people that he grew up hating. But there's this connection again between salvation and being, being sent. Um, I'm not, I don't want to treat you as children, but, um, every year during the school year, we do preschool devotions around here. So the pastors on staff, twice a week or so, walk down to the preschool wing and try to, uh, educate little kids who don't want to do anything except tell you about their boo-boos and their grandmas and all kinds of stuff. Spiritual truths. And it's not easy to do. We're, we're constantly thinking we're probably way cl more clever than we need to be because it doesn't make sense. Well, this was the last week of those, okay? And I had the last week of those. It was my rotation. And, uh, boy, I'm letting the secret out of the bag. Neil's the only one that plans these way out in advance. The rest of us are like, what can I grab from my car and make a devotion out of it real quick? Well, I grabbed a little ratcheting, multi-headed screwdriver, okay? If you know what those are, it has the flathead, it has the Phillips head, it has the Allen wrench, it has those little star things. I don't even know what half of them are, but they work every once in a while. And you can take one head out and put the other head in, right? And so I went down to the preschool, and I showed them that little screwdriver. I said, pretend with me that this is the church, Okay? Each one of us is slightly different. God created us and called us that way, but we're to be used by the one who uses the screwdrivers, okay? Now, I don't know if you're a flathead or a Phillips head or an Allen wrench or what you are, but each one of us is in that toolkit that God wants to use. And for Paul, it was to preach to the Gentiles. He was called from the womb to do that. And that's the point he's trying to make here. So y'all are screwdrivers, whether you want to be or not. He goes on to say, my immediate response was not to consult any human being or flesh and blood. 
what he's saying is I didn't go freshen up on what the traditions were and hear all that. I was talking straight to Jesus. He says in verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went to Arabia and later I returned to Damascus. Again, he's not intellectual. He's just saying this is how I learned it. It it dawned on me as I was reading this too. Because you can read this and say you don't need... You can just say, I feel like God's telling me this, right? Why couldn't I, like Paul, or as he would say earlier, or even an angel from heaven, say, well, God just told me this, right? And so now this is the way to get saved. Paul, as a rabbi, this vision from Jesus does not just come in a vacuum. Paul really knew his Old Testament. What Jesus is, is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament promises. He is hearing the testimony of Jesus and saying that fulfills and that lines up with all those Old Testament scriptures. So if even if an angel from heaven says, I've got a different vision and it doesn't line up with the word of God, let him be eternally condemned is what Paul says. He is, God and Jesus are building on that knowledge, not telling Paul to just vacate all that knowledge. He's just clarifying it to him. That's why the scriptures, I've got a whole rant on this. Um, every time, whether it's Peter or Jesus himself, they go to the scriptures. Jesus on the, the, the Emmaus road could have performed party tricks for him and said, you don't think I'm Jesus? I'll levitate or something. He says, no, let me tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said this about me and their eyes opened up. That's why we preach the word. That's why it's important to do that. And so Paul's in that tradition there. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. We know him as Peter. Later in this book, those two will butt heads and they'll go their separate ways for a second. Um, and just another fun little interesting thing. When he says get acquainted with Cephas, Cephas it's, a, it's a Greek word that means to visit as a tourist. Okay, So th- here's what he's trying to say. I didn't go and study under Peter for three months. I swooped in, I, you know, we had lunch a couple times over 15 days, we hung out, and then I moved on. That's the point here. He's saying, I wasn't trained by him. I stayed for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, and then just for full disclosure, he goes, oh yeah, I saw James, the Lord's brother, as well. Verse 20, I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. That was the accusations made against him. And then I went to Syria and Cilicia. Those are just rural areas. He's not in the hot body. He's not in Jerusalem. He's just... He's saying, I just did my thing. All right, so he was called by Jesus. Secondly, he was changed by Jesus. And again, don't forget, I think these apply to us as well. I think God this morning wants to call some of you to salvation. I think he wants to call some of you into the work of the church and the spreading of the gospel. But he also wants to change your life. He wants to change your heart. Sometimes when I hear that word, he wants to change your life, I just sound like another, you know, here's three steps to take and be a better person. What he wants to do is give you a new heart that then will then affect your habits, if that makes any sense. It's not the other way around. And so he says, or I I say he's changed by Jesus. It's the faith in, in Jesus that leads to the fruit of the Spirit. There is a change that takes place. Now, I'm not, I don't mean to get political, but something came across my mind the other day is we live next to Jackson County, which has banned what they call conversion therapy. Okay. And I just want you to think about this for a second. And, and uh, uh, conversion ther- therapy is for a Christian to 
counsel, and uh, could be a pastor or a counsel, somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction uh, or transgenderism or something like that, and encourage them to give their life to Jesus Christ. And as I'm saying here, change comes from that. We call, guess what we call salvation? Conversion, okay? The world sees it as you're trying to change a lifestyle. Conversion for us is changing a heart. Well, that's now illegal in Jackson County. So, okay, just so you know, and I know we can get into all that. But what Paul's saying here is he benefited from conversion therapy. That makes any sense. Now, his, his sin was elsewhere. It was persecuting the church. But he got saved, and because of that, things changed in his life. Okay? And so here you go. A, he was a practitioner of the ceremonies. I, this goes back to this. He was not saved by his religion, but from his religion. Um, I, he says in verse 13, you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. He is not, now as Christians we say, yeah, he was out there killing people. He was, he was a religious person. In the, in the culture of Judaism, he was a good guy. Okay? And so he says, my previous life there, I was advancing in Judaism. And the word there is, I was the head, of, I was blazing a trail. He was the valedictorian. Okay? He was, he was leading the class beyond many of my own age among my people. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I kept the Sabbath. I did the sacrifices. I believed in circumcision. All those things had to be done in order to be right with God is what he believed. And he was zealous for it. His, he, was, he was serious about it. He Read Philippians 3 where he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. He's talking about this. My relationship with God is not based on what I've done now. That's what he's saying. It's based on the grace of Christ. What he used to brag about, he finds out those are barriers to his relationship with God. It's never been about rules. And that practicing of the ceremonies leads to point B. He was a persecutor of the church. He believed that anybody that said a Gentile or somebody that did not follow all the rules could be right with God needed to be killed. And the, the language here is very intense. Look at verse 13, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. He wanted to wipe it out. The, the language, when I kind of studied that, made me think of when a tornado goes through town. Okay? He wanted to just lay Christianity flat and get rid of it. He says in verse 14, I was extremely zealous for the tradition. I mean, he just wanted to do that. And then verse 23 or 22, he says, I preached the faith that I once tried to destroy. What I thought of here was the clips we see every once in a while about a little, little league um, baseball game or like a little kid's basketball or football game. And inevitably, a kid will start running in the wrong direction, okay? Whether it's to third base in t-ball or the wrong end zone in football or basketball to go shoot at the other basket. And they may be really good at their sport, but they're shooting at the wrong goal. And what Paul was, he was that protege who was really good at what he was doing, but he was shooting at the wrong goal. And like those videos often show, somebody run, even their own teammate runs them down and tackles them or whatever. Jesus ran down Paul running in the wrong direction and tackled him there on the Damascus Road. So I know you're going the wrong way. You're going, you're going towards works. You're going to hell. Okay. I want to tell you about the grace, what I paid for you. You can go to heaven. You can spend eternity with me, but it's not going to be based on all those things you did. And so point C, and this is the transition part, I became a preacher of Christ. 
So the one who once destroyed or wanted to destroy the church is now, verse 11, preaching the gospel. Verse 16, preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus to the Gentiles. And again, if you go read Acts 26, Paul lays this out before King Agrippa and how he wants everything he could to destroy the church. And now he's actually one of them and willing to die himself for that same cause. So like Paul and us, we have been called and we have been changed, I hope. Again, tell your stories about that. And see as we and he were commissioned by Jesus. This will be brief and it, it, we've covered parts of it before. Verse 22 says, I was personally unknown among the churches in Judea that are in Christ. Meaning, again, he didn't go to Jerusalem. He was out there in, in the rural areas. He was in Damascus. He was by himself for the most part, not with those apostles. Verse 23, they only heard the report, the one who formerly persecuted us. So he had a reputation, but he wasn't, it wasn't a good one. And point A is, he's preaching the gospel. Verse 23 says, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Okay? Paul was not looking to change his mind. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. And now he's turned into somebody that preaches the gospel. And the gospel is salvation by grace alone and Christ alone. No, but nothing by works. And like Paul, I think we've all been commissioned to preach that same story. And God has chosen us and he's called us and he's changed us to do that. Whoever your Gentiles are, the ones he once sought to destroy, he's now preaching to them. And here's where it all comes back is point B. And they're praising God because of him, verse 24. And they praise God because of me. I hope that other people come to know and praise the Lord Jesus Christ because of you. And because of me. Paul will say, I'm not bragging about this. Okay, I'm not bragging about it so I get the glory. He knows nothing but Christ and him crucified so that Jesus will get the glory. When he writes to the Ephesians, you're saved by grace and not by faith. Why? So no one can boast except what Christ has done. We boast in Christ. And so I think this lays out somewhat of a path when you are answer the call towards salvation and even into service and your changed life, then you can bring praise to God. Here's how I would want you to conclude this. And then we're going to end with somewhat of a special prayer time. And I'll tell you about it here in a second. My first question to you is, have you answered that call? Jesus died for your sins. He invites you to be right with God through what he did. He rose again. God accepted that sacrifice. If you're here today and you've never, as Paul said, been obedient to that invitation, I want to offer it one more time. Okay, Come to Jesus for salvation. I want to ratchet down a little bit and say come to Jesus for service too. Each and every one of us has a role to play in the kingdom and answer that call. Do not be disobedient to that call. Secondly, and I had to wrestle with how to say this. I don't want to just say, have you been changed? Okay. God wants to produce fruit in your life, but we cooperate with that. And to allow yourself to change means fleeing temptation, means confessing sin. It means taking up the spiritual disciplines. It means reading your Bible, being in Christian fellowship. Some sin is just too precious to us and we don't allow God to change us. We hold on to it. And so this, to me, frankly, is a call for some that you just, you just need to let go of that sin in your life. You need to repent and you need to confess and allow God to change you.
He wants to produce fruit in your life that will glorify Him. And then thirdly, are you active in your commission? We are all called to preach the gospel to those that don't know it. So I want to do two things with prayer here, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, we'll sing a song. But let me, let me focus the prayer on this for, for one second. As I study this, I was well aware of, of two things. I've got to remember the second one now. But one is, many of us and many people we know are running in the wrong direction. Okay? People we know and love don't know Jesus the way Paul does here. And I want us to pray for those people. Okay? Those people in your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, people you love dearly, but they're running in the wrong direction. Okay? The other thing I want us to pray about is how can we love people that we frankly might want to destroy? Does this make sense? Paul wanted to destroy the church, and now he calls them brothers and sisters, and he would write, lo- he would write stories or write letters about lo- how we love one another and do that. There are people who make us mad for religious reasons, for Christian reasons even. But I want to pray for our own hearts here. Who is it that you frankly, and be honest with God, I'm not going to ask you to come up here and admit anything, that you would just love to destroy them or destroy their group or whatever. What Paul would say is preach the faith to them. And so we, that begins with prayer and, and other opportunities we might have there. But So people that maybe are running in the wrong direction and people, frankly, that you don't like, but you want to pray for them. Because we're about to sing a song that says it's, our, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Okay, so let's, let's pray in those ways and then we'll sing. God, um, thank you for calling each one of us and for God changing us from the inside out and then commissioning us, God. God, my heart goes out to those who are running in the wrong direction. Some are trying to run as far away from you as they can. Some are trying to run to you, but for in all the wrong ways. Maybe it's work salvation or whatever. And, and God, you know the hearts in this room, and you know those people that we're talking about and we're thinking about. And God, you, you did it with Paul. You stopped him in his tracks. And you revealed yourself to him. And God, you cut through all the learning and you cut through all the information and you cut through all the self-righteousness and you got to the heart of the matter, which is Paul needs you and our friends and our relatives need you. Would you, God, reveal yourself to them and stop them from running in the wrong direction? And God, there are people, groups, movements that we would love to destroy. But God, help us to have a heart to pray and to share our faith with those that seem so far away from you. God, you can reach the the hardest heart you can reach the proudest heart you can reach the most lost soul so God as we try to be salt and light in this world as we try to 
stand up for what we believe and all that. Help us just have a broken heart for those that are far from you. God, it's your kindness that led us to repentance. It's your goodness, Lord. We needed it. The world needs it. May it begin in us and may it spread to our community and around the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.